0: Oh, Tyler Smith and this is More Than One Lesson, episode 83. I want to apologize to everybody first. Uh, I'm uh, recovering from a cold, so I have a bit of a... I'm a little stuffed up, so I apologize uh, if my voice sounds a little off. Uh, Okay, so um, let's go ahead and just bring in uh, our co-host, Josh Long. Josh. Hi there. How you
1: doing? I'm doing all right. All right. I'm not stuffed up, so that's good. Not that I know of. Well, if you want to... You can lead the charge on this episode if you want. <laughs> the charge? Yeah. <laughs> Sounds
0: more dramatic than usual. Well, that. It, stay tuned. We do have a guest. Oh. Anyway, so a um, uh, few announcements real quick. Uh, none of them too, uh, too incredibly dramatic. Um, just wanted to let everyone know that uh, our blogger, Reed Lackey, or our Lackey Reed Blogger, as uh, as you said last time, Josh.
1: Um, I think it's really catching on.
0: Yeah. Oh, I'm sure he really appreciates it. <laughs> I'm sure. Um, Writing for free and then being insulted on the show. No, I'm sure everyone (laughs) loves that. It's it's every writer's dream. So um, anyway, uh, he has finished his personal uh, top 10. And so that is uh, available at morethanonelesson.com. Wanted to reiterate that uh, there are new shirts available, new shirt designs uh, at the uh, More Than One Lesson store. So you can click on that and uh, check out all of our... All of our wonderful designs to let everyone know, hey, I'm a fan of this podcast that you haven't heard of. Josh, have you
1: gotten your shirt yet? That's I only wear more than one lesson merchandise right now. All right, I appreciate that. Um, So if we could get some more than one lesson pants in there, or I'll I'll (laughs) do a skirt, anything, just I really could use that right now. Well,
0: Cafe Press pretty much has you covered for everything Uh, (laughs) underwear, pants, (laughs) uh, hats, shirts, okay, bags. Teddy bears, clocks. Teddy bears? Yes. All right. There's a whole section for your kids. But so. I don't have any kids. Not yet. Not with that attitude. <laughs> Good point. So, okay. <laughs> Moving on. I don't totally... I'm a little punchy, everybody. Sorry, I'm on DayQuil right now. So, um, okay. I also wanted to uh, let everyone know and just reiterate, as, I, as I've said before, that uh, uh, Will Gray um, still is... He's doing... As we've said, like he's he's sort of declining, but he's actually he's hanging on uh, in a lot of ways. He just wrote uh, an update himself at go at uh, go sorry dot go com so you can read all about that and uh, any money that you guys can give uh, to them would be helpful. So if you go to more than com and click uh, help will Gray, uh, then you can find out ways in which you are able to help will and his wife Angie. So all right. Moving on, I think that covers everything. So we do have a guest today, and here's the thing. Our guest name is also Josh. So I don't know what to do. I, should I say Josh L and then Josh M, or should I say Long and More, or should I just uh, just point to you guys and just let the, view, let the listener figure out, based on voice, who I'm speaking to.
1: Well, it could be Josh and Joshua. No one ever calls me Joshua, but if anyone ever calls you Joshua... I go by Joshua. Well, there you go. Okay. I can do that. Problem okay. solved.
0: All right. See, this is this is why I have a co-host. <laughs> I Problem solved. I can't think of really any other reasons, but...
1: No, that's pretty but, much it.
0: <laughs> kind of, yeah. Should I leave now? <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, All right, I kind of brought you in to alleviate... I already have... I have another Josh here. Joshua, <laughs> pardon me. Mm-hmm. I do have a, a one Josh minimum uh, requirement for more
1: than one lesson. That makes sense. Yeah. Most of these podcasts do.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's it's very strange that they may not be on mic but they're always there. Like any like when never not funny switched from audio to video. I was like, "Who's that guy?" "Oh, that's that's that podcast requirement one yeah. Josh." Yeah. So, um okay. But today we've got more than one Josh oh, on more than one lesson. That's pretty good. And I guess that's the end of the show cuz <laughs> who could ever In any good conscience, continues talking after that, like people want to hear him. Excellence. So, hey, that's four-time podcast award nominee. Oh, don't I know? Right there. So (laughs) you were there for two of those, or just one? I forget. I don't know. Anyway, it doesn't matter. At least two. We we have never won, and we never will. So okay. (laughs) uh, So we do have a guest, and I've already we've already said his name, like all the different aspects of his name. But now we're going to put it all (laughs) together as we introduce him. His name is Joshua Moore. Joshua.
2: Hey, how's it Hi. going?
0: How are you? I am
2: fantastic.
0: Oh, my. <laughs> well, you you had uh, a couple of flights today, so the fact that you're able to muster any kind of energy is exciting. I did.
2: I did. Yeah, yeah. I, I um... Apparently, there was a huge storm over uh, Texas. They've got tornadoes and stuff going on over there, which Mm -hmm. is awful. But uh, they had the, you know, you can't get up light on, you know, because of turbulence and everything. Mm -hmm. Um, And I should have gone to the bathroom before then. Um, But it prevented me from going to the bathroom pretty much the entire five-hour flight. So (laughs) I didn't really sleep on the plane. I just kind of sat there hating my life for about four and a half hours and then sprinted to the bathroom before they could catch me.
0: Couldn't you call the call the flight attendant over and just be like, "Hey, look, I, I, I've got have got I've got this thing I need to do." You
2: would think it's a hard and fast rule. There was a couple of people that tried to reason, and they were like, "I'm sorry, my hands are tied," you know. But we're going to get like you know an air marshal on you. Like it was just it was weird. I feel like it's just kind of huh. like Saturday detention. It's like, does it really exist? I don't know. I think I feel like you're just making it up, you know. <laughs> but it is one of those things where, uh,
0: like, ba- like when it's not. When it's not turbulence related, or at least there's not heavy turbulence, but they'll t- they'll flip flip on the uh, you know mm-hmm. seatbelt side on. Um, the pilot often says like says like you know so uh, if you're if you're seated like you know please uh, please have your seatbelts fast. Although I guess they say that most of the time. Yeah. That like yeah. you know feel free to move about the cabin, but when you're sitting down, you know buckle your seatbelts, which seems silly to me.
2: Yeah.
1: It seems like they should be able to like, like have a waiver you can sign or something like that, because that's the only yeah. reason they would want you to not stand up during turbulence. Well, it's not true. like you're going to make the plane crash or something like that. It's just got to be that if you hurt yourself, then you could sue the company. But if you're like, I release all liability because I've needed to go to the bathroom for four hours now.
0: Seems yeah, but you good. know what? That's short-sighted because if you do fall over and you hit your head, and you're like, they shouldn't let me step. <laughs> they, <know? don't. laughs> they knew. They
2: knew. <laughs> yeah,
1: shouldn't let me sign that waiver.
0: See, then you've got then you've got like the flight attendants, like you know, trying to trip you and stuff like that because mm. it's it's open season <laughs> on the passengers. So okay, enough of that. Uh, now, Joshua, mm-hmm. where did you where did you uh, where were you visiting?
2: Uh, I was back in Virginia visiting family.
0: Back in Virginia? Mm-hmm. Are you from Virginia? I'm from Virginia. Interesting. Yeah. We are now into the interview portion of the show. <laughs> um, so, okay. Let's uh, let's get to know you. Um, you are uh, an actor, a comedian, and uh-huh. uh, just just an iconoclast, I like to think. <laughs>
1: as do I. You should put that on your card.
0: Yeah. <laughs> You're welcome. That's for free.
1: That'd be pretty good.
0: I'll be honest. I don't completely remember what iconoclast means. I always view it as kind of a, a, a person who shapes their time. Is that correct? I
2: feel like Sounds that's about ad- right. adequate. There was okay. a show for a while that had like various people that were iconoclastic. Yes, that were like they would go up against each other. I think, or they would interview the two people, and or they would interview each other. I didn't do well. I didn't watch it. They so. go they go against
0: each other. So they yeah. like put them put them like in a cage. Yeah, so it was exactly. A cage to match fight. With, like yeah. snakes dropping fancy. So like <laughs> Nelson Mandela versus like Steve Jobs.
1: Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> Man, the ratings.
0: <laughs> uh, that'd be great. <laughs> um, okay, so. Uh, but let's 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 find out a little bit more about you. This is going to be a uh, mostly an interview episode, but uh, there's some some stuff that uh, we'd like to talk about in general. So, um, so you're born in you were born in
2: Virginia. Mm-hmm. When was that? Uh, when was I born? Sure. Yeah. Uh, it was uh, the uh, fall of eighty uh, two. 82. Yeah, it's a good year. It's a good year. Good year. The year I was born. Oh,
1: yeah. Oh, no. There you go. Yeah, that's, right. a, that's also the year of Iron Maiden's Number of the Beast. Ooh. So, you know, you guys are kind of all kind <laughs> of all of one ilk, right?
0: Yeah. I, I, I think so. Yeah, I feel like that's... <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, but, yeah, and so you were raised... Uh, now, I know a little bit about you, so mm-hmm. I, I don't necessarily want to just give your life... And to have you say, yes, that's about right. Yeah. So let's, I'll, I'll just throw it to you. Um, just tell us a little bit about uh, your childhood, the environment you were raised in, and, and that sort of thing.
2: Sure, sure, yeah. Well, uh, I'm the youngest of uh, four boys, and my dad's a pastor, so we uh, moved a lot, got in a lot of trouble. Uh, I was beat up a lot, um, as I should have been, because I, I was, I had a mouth on me. So, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I grew up in the church and kind of, uh, it was interesting uh, from, from that perspective, because you don't. Always oh, see the i don 't know like the happy shiny side of the church whenever you 're part of the, the pastor 's family, uh, especially we grew up uh, around a lot of like rural Virginia like in the mountains and stuff, so real small communities that you know like like to stay busy with like oh did you hear the pastor 's son got you know like sent to principal 's <laughs> office and you know they, they, uh, <laughs> things like that so it was it was a good time but um I see so started doing plays whenever I was like in I guess elementary school. Then uh, did like a kids musical theater group in middle school. Went to a performing arts high school in uh, Norfolk, Virginia, and then went did college for about a year. And then I had a manager in New York at the time, so I was going back and forth a lot. So just ended up um, settling just to kind of start you know setting my way as an actor and moved out to L.A. when I was about nineteen. So and uh, just kind of went off from there. So um, I've kind of been a jack of all trades. I've had a fair amount of you know, TV commercials, some you know, TV spots here and there, some independent film, uh, stand-up comedy, and uh, writing, and you know, as much on-camera work as they'll let me have. And a fair amount of voiceover in the past you know, four or five years. That's, uh, that's interesting. So you,
0: you did not do college. You saw you – know, you were bitten by the acting bug, and you're like, college
2: is just going to get in the way. You know I did college for about uh, for about a year mm-hmm. um, and all the things that you think that someone that has a terrible idea of what they should do during college I did <laughs> and uh, yeah i uh, now actually that 's the reason I was back uh, I was back visiting. I went, there's a group I volunteer with now called reality check that goes out to schools and talks about like abstinence and healthy dating and, you know, things like that. So I kind of go out to like, you know, middle schools, high schools, colleges, and be like, Hey kids, don't do what I did. (laughs) Uh, uh, you know, like I'm making better choices. Now you should make a better choice, you know, before you make my mistakes. So, but they uh, had uh, a big convention out in DC. They had us uh, come and speak at. So I, while I was there, I just, you know, kind of made a trip down to see the family and everything. So
0: now it's interesting. You just, uh, you just went into a sort of voice just now, and it was like, hey, kids, just that sort of thing. Um, and, and I apologize uh, in advance. I, I am not uh, judgmental of your, uh, of your program by any stretch. Mm. Um, is that the voice you use when speaking <laughs> to children?
2: Uh, you know, I, I, I try to use my, my announcer voice. Hey, kids, how's it going? Don't put your thing at another person's thing. Not until oh. you have a ring on it.
0: Oh, oh my. Okay. All that's right. That's usually how they, that goes down.
2: Do they respond to that? You know, uh, they're forced to listen. So right. I like to think that I'm planting seeds that one day are going to render a harvest. Probably not anytime soon. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, try to make a good impression. Do you
0: ever like, uh, cause that's the thing. So I went to, I went to, uh, you know, public school, um, and I do remember just the various, uh, groups you know we'd be called mm-hmm. to go to an assembly and like mm-hmm. there'd be groups of like people who are just like just they couldn't make it in like an improv group so it's like all right let's just let's all put on like you know different colored shirts and uh talk about you know like fire safety and and, that yeah. sort of thing. <laughs> and uh and invariably i remember i just went up laughing at them yeah as i'm sure most of the kids did but you know what i gotta say I do. Uh, I do remember a lot of those tips. You know, so maybe thinking, it'll it, maybe it'll stick with you. It's like it's like you know annoying commercials. They they stick with they you. just as much as for a reason. Yeah.
2: I was thinking recently about how many times I remember hearing the phrase "stop, drop, and roll" in school mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. fire safety. Why was that such a need? You know, I mean, of all the things that, like, you know, are assailing children, how many of them are just running around on fire that are just fanning the flames just by just sprinting? Like, why was that the thing that really, you know, I think that's why China's ahead of us in all their school systems. They're just like, you know what? It's evolution, man. If you catch yourself on fire, we're sorry. We got, like, you you're know, out. 12 million more of you. I mean, it's your, you know. it's All
0: right. Getting, uh, getting uh, a little jingoistic there. Hey that's all right though um but uh yeah and i don't mean to make fun of the program at all um it's uh it's something that i'm in favor of the the thing that you guys are are talking about but uh, i just know that like you know if it were me i would be so self-conscious of like these kids are not listening to a a thing i say um but at the same time i also know that if it were me doing it i would probably be in my tone not really selling it yeah but you seem like you have the the energy level of like oh this guy actually this guy's on board with what he's saying <laughs> Because I have a hard enough time just selling the stuff I, that I that I do believe as I as I believe in that sort of thing, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so it just be. But I would just want to be like, I don't want to anyone anything. think I'm dorky, <laughs> so I will distance myself from what I am saying in
2: my tone. So, um, yeah.
0: how long have you been have, have you been doing that?
2: Oh, I've been doing that for a long time. I used to work at a, a crisis pregnancy center down hmm. in like West hmm. LA. So they're a, a part of like under the umbrella of um, it's uh, called Claire's Health now but uh, they work with them so whenever I started like I was like a male counselor there for a while and I uh, started doing that probably eight years ago hmm. but um, it's interesting that most of my stand-up comedy I do uh, like stuff about being abstinent mm-hmm. so it's like you work in like when you're going to talk about being abstinent I mean like you have to say why and so it, like it goes into kind of you know you're a little bit of the, your, the the spiritual aspect of it but it has to be funny mm. um, and with stand-up comedy it's just consistently just like set-up punch set-up punch set-up mm-hmm. punch so whenever i'm able to do those presentations it's like i can you know kind of throw in a fair amount of comedy but i can don't have the pressure of like am i being funny all the time right. where you're actually trying to get a point across which is nice hmm.
0: okay um and so you mentioned that you started acting at a pretty early age mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: um what was
0: it what was the the impetus for that like what started you off on
2: that you know, I had a uh, one of my teachers uh, told my parents they like called a meeting and they were like, you know, I feel like Josh would be like well suited for a career in the arts because he doesn't really wake up until like noon <laughs> and then after that I really can't control him. So they uh, they suggested I did like I do the community theater then uh, I I did that and it was a production of Oliver Twist mm-hmm. and uh, I I was Charlie Bates, hmm. uh, which is also just an unknown character. It's like the the red shirted crewman from Star Trek, huh. but. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, so I started doing uh plays then and then that just I would have, of, I would have pegged you as the artful dodger. You yeah, kinda w- have that quality to you. Y- me too. I would have <laughs> thought. Whatever. <laughs> uh but they went with a girl for the artful whatever. It's so it's, Oh, I see. know. Yeah. But uh but, yeah, so this kind of became my thing whenever we were moving from, like, place to place. The, uh, my dad's a uh, United Methodist pastor. He's retiring this year, actually. But um, one of the things with that is that, you know, non-dominational places, a lot of times, they just stick with a church, and you can kind of come and go as you please. But with denominational uh, the places, they just kind of rotate pastors out. So mm-hmm. we would be a place, you know, two years or three, four years, and then just, you know, pack up and move. Hmm. Man.
0: I don't know why I'm like. Oh man, that sounds rough. I moved around a lot uh, myself. My <laughs> I, I work for the oil industry, so yes, I, I understand what that's yeah. like. Um, but it can be a good experience for a kid, you know, just having to kind of reestablish yourself in a new place, like learning what you've learned at, uh, in the old place. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so it sounds like your your parents were supportive of this. That they were mm-hmm. they were all in favor of it.
2: Definitely, yeah. They were okay. they, I, I was I was really blessed. My parents were always really encouraging. Um I I think and like they realized I needed something, like and it like whenever they saw me at the re- rehearsals they were like oh my gosh there's like two dozen that are just like him this is where he's supposed to be at no wonder like you know otherwise he's just bouncing off the walls and you know so and I was never it was interesting I did a lot of musical theater because that's what you know you do for as a kid I was terrible at it though I mean like I had no rhythm I like I mean I had a decent voice I had a really thick accent at the time I mean like had a rat tail and like spiky hair I mean I was rat tail redneck. and, sp- and yeah. spiky hair I mean that I is a,
1: a fantastic balls. image like, like a kid in the Oliver Twist cast with the spiky hair and the rat tail singing, oh, yeah. I don't know. It was great, about a gruel or something.
2: <laughs> That's exactly what happened. In a
1: thick wow. Virginia accent.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: It's a, you know, okay. Well, that brings up another thing that is, that might actually jump us ahead faster than I anticipated. But uh, I'm always fascinated when people have a thick accent from you know northern or southern or whatever, um, and they lose it over time. Mm-hmm. And my guess is you being an actor. And specifically, somebody who specializes in in you know voiceover stuff, um, you probably made yourself lose the accent. is that correct? yeah,
2: okay. How do you do that? you know it was it was largely unconscious. I did whenever I was the short time I was in college and I had gotten a manager in New York that the one of the contingencies was that I see uh, a, a speech therapist to be mm-hmm. able to try to you know, lose my my twang. I you know whenever I go back home, and I'm, you know, with my family, a lot of times I'll come back or if I'm tired, angry, have a couple of drinks, you know, what I mean, like <laughs> those situations, like I usually get a little bit more twangy, but it, I don't know. I think just because of doing a lot of musicals and stuff growing up, that kind of like, you know, helped. But also, I mean, I started, I got my first agent when I was in seventh grade and started auditioning. And so like, it, you really, it, it really limits what you're able to do if you can't get a wrangle on it. So, mm-hmm. hmm. That's fascinating. Like, when people
0: talk about, like, oh, you know, I worked really hard to lose that accent, I'm like, I, I don't even know how you would start <laughs> just losing it. Because it's one thing to, like, layer on an accent for a part. It's yeah. another thing to, as a person, lose the way you speak. Yeah. It just, it, it astounds me that people are are, are able to do that, because I don't think I could. Um now that I, I feel like my accent is just a typical Midwestern bland, it's <laughs> nothing. It's basically, it's, it's the, it's the accent equivalent of my last name. So anyway, um, okay. So, so you've been acting mm-hmm. for many, many years at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, was your, was your goal to, you know, go into, uh, into the pictures or, or what?
2: Yeah, I want to be in pictures. Or, okay, um, or was
0: it just kind of whatever, like plays, TV, whatever?
2: You know, I, I think I, whenever I, but when I got to to high school, I had more of a reasonable idea of, you know, wanting to just make a career as as an actor. So just working, you know, whether mm-hmm. it was in in theater, I saw it being more in like TV and film stuff. But uh, I think majority of people that are that are in it do have some deep-seated desire to you know to have. The success and 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 fame and whatnot, but I think the only thing that comes with that is a little more security, as far as like why one of the reasons I think it's more desired. But um, but yeah, I, I saw myself more working in you know TV and film. I think okay, and so um,
0: so that leads to the question that I that I do like to ask people. Um, first off, uh, what are some of what are some of your favorite films in general? But also let's let's go back a little bit, like mm-hmm. when you were you know cultivating this is like a real like okay i'm gonna be i'm gonna devote my life to this mm-hmm. um what were some of your favorite movies at the time and uh and then we'll move into your some of your favorite movies now
2: i really liked uh buddy comedies you mm-hmm. know uh anything from like swingers to tommy boy uh, i mean those were things that i almost those were the movies that i would learn every single line of dialogue and i would repeat with my friends and like I I thought they were just brilliant. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I would try to sit down and figure out, like, why it was so good. And, you know, and then you try to act out the various, you know, characters and, and stuff like that. But um, I don't know, as far as uh, that, that's, you know, kind of remained one of the more central points of my, my palate as far as, you know, the, just the slightly goofy comedies that are, are still a little bit more. I want to say middle of the road, but not as as far as like a lot of the... I really like Judd Apatow stuff now, but uh, I mean, I think uh, it gets to be pretty racy pretty quickly. And Mm -hmm. um, it ends up, I think, a lot of times being... uh, It tends to be a crutch, you know, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, So I really respect comics like, you know, Seinfeld and, and Cosby and everybody that, you know, they don't you know stay away from profanity and whatnot because they're morally inclined they do so because they feel like it's more for the craft mm-hmm. uh which i think is really awesome okay and we'll we'll definitely be uh,
0: delving more into that in a moment but um so uh as an actor what would you who would you say you're because you know in as as a stand-up you know you just mentioned uh seinfeld and cosby as an actor um who would you say your your influences were like you looked at at you know, an actor or an actress and you look at their performance and you say, that is not only do I want to be that, I think I actually could be that in mm. my, in my skill. Like, uh, can you think of any off the top of your head? Yeah.
2: I mean, I would, I would probably compare myself more to like, a uh, Owen Wilson, <laughs> uh, you know, and that would be really, uh, ideal as far as just, I love the idea of being able to, Write and do projects just with a, like a tight group of people that you really enjoy working with. That just seems like so much fun to me. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, anytime I've been able to kind of be in that environment, I think it's just been awesome. So to be able to do that with means, I think would be fantastic. You know? <laughs> but uh, I, I really enjoy a lot of uh, a lot of his comedy. Uh, Will Farrell, I mean, is is you know always been a, a classic guy that I've, I've really dug. Um, there's a few guys that um, kind of you know come in and out of the comedy scene that I enjoy, but those are kind of the my, more my staples: Vince Vaughn, John Favreau. You know, really, really dig their stuff. I don't know if I'm saying that right, though. Favreau. I think, I think that's Favreau. right. Favreau? Favro. Favreau. I think it's Favreau.
0: Favreau. I've said Favro. So. Favro. Yeah, because I think Vince Vaughn calls them Fabs.
1: Oh, okay. So the Fabs. Awesome. <clears throat> but yeah. So it it sounds like a lot of the a lot of the people who. A lot of people you're listening are comedians mm-hmm. or comedy actors. Mm-hmm. Would you say that appeals to you a whole lot more than drama? Does drama have any appeal to you or Oh
2: definitely, yeah. I mean, whenever I was growing up I saw myself as a very serious actor. Like mm-hmm. I didn't I honestly didn't think I was I was very funny as a person hmm. uh until probably my early twenties. I just thought, you know, I mean like I mean, yeah, I make jokes. Everybody makes jokes. Like, you know, it's not doesn't make me any more special, but um and I didn't really I kept trying to stay away from comedy because i didn't think it was legitimate i thought Mm -hmm. you know i I thought you know dramatic work is what you know real actors do (laughs) so and i was you know coming from doing years of theater and so that's what i i mean i wanted to play hamlet and i wanted to do you know all those things And i still have great regard for that and you know would love to do it but um you know i mean i look at like ryan gosling's work and it's just like it's amazing i mean like it like i don't know like i he's one of those guys where i'm just like he just like sits there at the table just like not saying a word and you're like man like ah, why is he so interesting so interesting (laughs) like what is he thinking i want to know (laughs) yeah
0: yeah and it's something that uh certainly on the other on my other podcast but also just in general in my life something that i've been kind of uh committed to is the idea that like comedy is just as um legitimate as mm-hmm. drama. I mean, there's a reason that there, you know, that there's the two masks and not mm-hmm. just the one. Um, but, uh, but it is amazing how many people just think like, they're like, Oh, a comedian, like really, who cares? I mean, you know, you look at like Oscars and really any kind of award show aside from the golden globes, which are a joke in and of themselves. Um, but, uh, and like a comedic performance, like it's rare for one to even be nominated. So like when one is, you're like, Oh, hmm. look, look, look at what they're embracing no okay yeah well we'll take what we can get yeah, like, exactly you know like a like a johnny depp in pirates of the caribbean for mm. example like yeah for a number of reasons that thing was just out of left field but then like melissa mccarthy and bridesmaids for mm-hmm. example you know supporting um and it's a character that is almost purely comedic um not unlike like a uh, like a kevin klein in a fish called wanda did mm. you ever see a fish called wanda i did <laughs> sorry i'm laughing I I, I I was allowing myself to laugh because like it is funny and now and now you know what i'm talking about um but yeah so uh that's interesting that uh that you do see yourself as wanting to do that first and foremost because mm-hmm. um, i do think a lot of people like you said you you were able to shed that that idea of drama being real mm, mm-hmm. and comedy not being uh, a lot of people aren't yeah, whether they be artists or or you know audience,
2: yeah, and a lot of the word shows they still uh, put musicals and comedies in the same category because I mean there are musical comedies, but I mean like there's such i mean like how can you compare the two i mean it 's like Chicago or Lake Lame is like how are you going to compare that to I mean, any of the comedies that come out, you know, from Judd Apatow or anybody, I mean, like, that's just, they're completely different animals, but, you know, and, and the musical will win because people more highly regard musicals. Right. Because it's a craft, you know, and they don't really, they don't see comedy as being such.
0: Yeah. They're just like, okay, so drama is what we like, but we should, we should acknowledge everything else. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we'll put that all in one category. And even then, whatever has the most spectacle will exactly. what we, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it is it is quite off-putting um, <laughs> so okay so uh, let's uh, let's bring you to Los Angeles here mm-hmm. uh, so you you got here years ago you've been here mm-hmm. over ten years it sounds like mm-hmm. um, and in that time you've gotten uh, you know TV work mm-hmm. and but you've also and like in the last few years gotten a great deal of voice work yes um, and we'll get to the toy in a minute, but, uh, (laughs) but the, um, that'll make more sense to people in a second. Um, sounds a little suspect, right? I know. I know. (laughs) Am I, am I making reference to that Richard Pryor film? I'm not. Mm. It's called the toy.
1: (laughs) Was he in the, were you in the toy with Jackie? Were you
0: Jackie Gleason? So, um, okay. So how does one, because I've, I've known a couple of people who, do voice work and, they, and that's what their life is mm, mm-hmm. and they basically say that if you're going to do voice work well I remember they, they said like you know people ask ask me like hey how do I get into voice work and they always say don't yeah. get into voice work <laughs> because
1: because there, are, that response, yeah. because
0: there are like 10 people mm-hmm. and between those 10 people you can get anything you need and so really until one of those people dies and by the way if Frank Welker who is you know among other things Fred from Scooby Doo well into his 80s and he's still working mm, you know mm-hmm. he does first off he does animal noises but he also shows up on you know Futurama and stuff like that like if he's still around it's like these these people like they're able to work until they are literally dead yeah <laughs> and so so how on earth did you Managed to break into this, and and what has been the most
2: rewarding aspect of it? I think, well, commercial work is is gonna is the the quickest way I think into it. Mm-hmm. Even that is still hard to get into. I think. The the advice I normally give when people ask me about it is to go through secondary markets. So I mean, there's voice or agents that are out of Austin and Chicago, and mm-hmm. you know, uh, I mean, any major city for the most part that you can get with for smaller regional jobs and kind of build up your you know a skill set and uh, and whatnot. But I, um, you know, I, I was really blessed to kind of fall into it. Whenever I was back, I did my my first voiceover gig whenever I was like in middle school, um, out of a, a, a place called uh, Studio Center in Virginia, and I ended up uh, bumping into someone after they had opened up an office out here and got back in their talent roster uh, years ago, and then just started started working on smaller jobs and kind of worked my way up and uh, now have uh, a larger, more you know, locally known agency, and then also still work with them. But, uh, it's, I mean, like, it's, it's really fun, but it takes over a lot of your life. I mean, Mm -hmm. there, there's caused serious, you know, uh, heated discussions and relationships I've had would be like, I know we had plans that was before I had to have this audition in, in the next two hours, you know, I'm really sorry, but I, I get, you know, if you don't book out, you have to, you have to do that. Like, Mm -hmm. you, you know, and it's just, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of, you know. It's difficult, like, as an actor, when you go in the room and audition in front of a casting director, you do well, you don't do well, you know, you can kind of feel it out, you're working off somebody else, and then, you know, you're, you're done, but with voiceover a lot of times majority of people audition from home so you're able to listen over and over again to what it is you're doing and then redo it mm-hmm. and you don't have anybody that you're responding off, that like you're bouncing ideas off of and the majority of the time there's you either book the job or you don't so mm-hmm. sometimes they'll have a second or third round for much bigger work but 99% of the time like you just send out the audition and then a week later two weeks later you get a call that you booked it but i mean you can put out you know, a thousand auditions and not hear anything and have been final contenders for majority of them, but not know it. Hmm. So it's just like, it's, it's definitely one of those things that, you know, you can feel like you're in a black hole. Just <laughs> like, how do I sound? I, I hate the sound of my own voice. Do you do a lot of your own
1: auditions from home? Do you have like your studio set up in your yeah, apartment I or something? Like
2: a, a sound booth set up that I, I um, uh, invested in that's just kind of out of my bedroom. And, i have fantastic neighbors that never complain Even, I mean like I'll come in you know late sometimes and have a you know video game audition where I'm like yelling about being on fire and, you know what I mean
0: stop dropping roll exactly there you go <laughs> um yeah that's you know it's interesting uh the idea of like acting being hard work it is hard work mm, mm-hmm. but i I sometimes feel like. Because I, I, I in in preparation for this, I went to your uh, your website, joshualives.com, right? Yeah, that's right. Okay, so uh, I went to your website <laughs> and I listened to your your demo reel for, mm-hmm. uh, for commercial uh, voiceover work. Um, and what fascinates me is the idea that it's like, yes, yes, okay, when Sean Penn has to sweat blood in Mystic River mm-hmm. and scream to the heavens and all that, yes, yes, it's very difficult to do. I get it. But anyway... I feel like what you are doing is somehow immensely more difficult <laughs> because he, like he has a character he can latch on to yeah. and, and, and the more he understands the character, which can be hard work, the more he understands the character, the more the, these emotions just kind of flow naturally. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if a character has to respond a certain way, if the character is written well, then it kind of just kind of works itself out in yeah. a way. And you just are sort of the the vessel, for lack of a better term. What you are doing is you have to muster up an enthusiasm for something that you as a person might not be that enthusiastic about. <laughs> and your enthusiasm has to be through the roof.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Like we had, um, a few months ago, we had uh, Ian Gilligan, I think you might oh, yeah. know him. We had him on the show. And he does uh, these uh, Disney 365 things where he Mm -hmm. gets flown to various places like, you know, Disney World and that kind of thing. And uh, he has to be insanely, because it's primarily for children. Yeah. And he's you know, essentially hawking the wares of Disney. And so um, he has to be incredibly enthusiastic. And I look at that, I'm like that's acting right there. That's (laughs) hard. You know, like how are you able to, I mean, I guess it's I guess when it comes right down to it's just acting, but like, how are you able to muster that kind of enthusiasm for something that is ultimately incredibly boring like yeah. do you
1: have to create a character who's super excited about popcorn and, and <laughs> like go off of that
0: well hang on popcorn's a bad example we're all excited about popcorn I am uh, I like popcorn
1: I like it but I'm not screaming about it ice cream now you, cr- you scream <laughs> yeah, ice cream for ice
2: cream yeah. all day long <laughs> Uh, you know, it's it's a lot of the same exercises that you use for, for on-camera work as far as, like, substitution. You know, I mean, you know who you're talking to and what you're actually talking about, which has nothing to do with that, what that scene's written to be about, but that's what you're kind of gleaning your emotion from. Um, it's difficult because you don't have anyone, like, you're not you're not acting off anyone. I mean, acting is, is listening, you know, but if you are imagining the whole situation, it's difficult to, I don't know, make it make it real and you know good and they a lot of times say they want they want a very natural sound but the there's a lot of technical things into it where they've written you know 40 seconds of copy in a 30 second spot. And it's like, okay, well, you're not going to have a natural sound with that much copy. Like, it's just, (laughs) like, it's going to have to be read really quickly and articulately. And it's just, it's going to sound like an announcer because I have to read it at that pace. Like, I I can, you know, do it as a more natural announcer, but it's going to be, like, you know, so there's practicality things there that are kind of confining. But, um, you know, you try to, I don't know, like, whenever you're doing scene work, there's times whenever you feel like you really kind of lock into something and, like, you're like, okay, like, I feel like, you know, that was a real and kind of honest, you know, thing. And it's like with voiceover work, I think you can find that, but it's a lot more technical, Mm -hmm. uh, which is Mm -hmm. difficult to be able to feel like you're putting out something that you are are really proud of, you know, because a lot of times, I don't know, I mean, I did uh, a play not too long ago that I was doing, we did like a six month run, and you know, towards the end of it, you're like, "Man, I, just, I don't feel like it's. I'm just not doing the work. It's not. It's not real and not natural and whatever or, or organic. You know, everybody loves to say that. And everybody was like, "No, it's. You're doing fine. It's just. It's just. You know, you're more used to it. You know, it's not that. It's not. You know, you're not doing good work. It's just. You know, you're. You're kind of found your your groove and and you're working with that." So a lot of times with voiceover, that's what you're doing because it's a lot more of the technical things of like, okay, well, that's a difficult sequence of words to say. How do I get around that? How am I going to hit these sell points? How am I going to find the beats, you know, and like story-wise and whatever Mm -hmm. in a 30-second spot? And So you have to do all those things, but do so in a way that's unique to you that not everybody else that's auditioning is going to do. And so it's, uh, yeah, I mean, it can be pretty disheartening as far as, you know, the amount of stuff you have to put in um and the I have a much higher booking rate for you know smaller jobs than I do of course on like a national level, mm-hmm. but I mean you can audition animation wise I mean I booked a, an animated pilot uh a, a little while back, but I mean i've put up you know hundreds of animated auditions, and that's that's my major booking you know mm-hmm. as far as that I mean like you can just you can do a lot without I mean coming back with anything because you can do five auditions in a day you know mm-hmm.
0: Man, it sounds exhausting and yet also fun.
2: Yeah, that's so,
0: accurate. <laughs> which I guess could be said of almost any artistic endeavor. Um, okay, so before we move on to what you're, what you're working on now, I did want to touch on uh, the toy, as we mentioned. Oh, there you go. So, okay, you are the voice of Spider-Man. I am. By which we, of course, mean fill-in-the-blank.
2: I, I am the action figure uh, and toys for all of the Spider-Man action figures and toys uh, from the last movie and the upcoming movie, the um, Spider-Man 2, that's going to come out in 2014. So if there is any Spider-Man that has a sound to it, that's my voice that, that's, that's on it. If it's been released in the past two years. <laughs> okay. So, I mean, did they... I mean...
0: Okay, because I had not thought about it until... Until, you know, uh, talking to you and, and, and seeing, I think I think when it first happened, I think you post like a video on Facebook or something like that, mm-hmm. and, and you said like, I'm the voice of Spider-Man, and then you held up an action figure, and I was like, I guess they do need voice actors <laughs> yeah. for those. You know, I, I just, for some reason, I don't know why, I just thought, it's like, well, sh- surely they didn't just get like an engineer and just have him come in and be like, hey, mm-hmm. Bob, we need you to do the voice of Spider-Man real Hey, quick. Bob sounds a little bit like Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah, bring, hey, him Bob, bring him over here and have
2: him do it. Bob, Bob the boy, come in here. <laughs>
0: And so, um, so, yeah, like, I mean, was it just a basic audition as always? And
2: It and was. It was uh, what they call a voice match audition. So they had, uh, a, a, you know, Garfield's voice on there. And um, they had a bunch of lines they'd cut from the movie. And they had, you know takes of uh, of that and uh, wanted you to match it and they had lines that they didn't have samples for that they wanted you to kind of come up with the sound for. Okay. But what they ended up actually going with from the sessions uh, for the original Spider-Man and, the, and this next one is a lot more uh, of like an animated voice. It's not so much the, the you know, uh, accurate because they're yeah, the, not you know, quite
0: the the mopey voice of an Andrew Garfield. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Which like, doesn't translate yeah to a toy really well. It's true. It's true.
2: <laughs> it's like the way whenever I, I had booked the uh, the first session for that that they initially they had tried to work out a contract with uh, with Andrew Garfield and that weren't able to come to an agreement and so that's why they had you know hired someone else. Um, but they did work it out in his uh, film contract that he was supposed to be there to direct the sessions. So he was supposed to direct me on how to sound like. Him. Him, for, and it's like, and I, and you don't see the actual script until probably fifteen minutes before you go in the room. I mm-hmm. mean, and uh, that's true with most any spot. I mean, like if you're lucky, you get you know thirty minutes. But um, I've had jobs where I literally my first take is my first time reading a copy. So something like that. I mean, it's like, dude, he had months to prepare, and he did an excellent job. I mean, I really enjoyed the movie, but I was like, you know, how is some guy gonna be like, hey, schmuck actor I've never met that's willing to work for cheaper than I am? This is how I do what I do, you know? I you mean, know, like, so they they kept rescheduling the the session times because he just wasn't showing up, and I'm like, dude, this guy isn't gonna show up because, you know, I mean, he does he doesn't want to, you know. So and he didn't, and they ended up just being like, okay, you know, what? we're just gonna take a different whack at it. We're gonna go a different angle. Okay. So uh, that's kind of how we came to be that. The sound that it's at, and they loved
0: it so much, <laughs> yeah, that they they're going to bring you back. You've got this whole franchise under your hey, belt, man.
2: You know, it's funny too because like whenever I went in to record the stuff for the the sequel, they were like, like we, were, I mean, did probably like uh, there was like uh, somewhere around forty lines of dialog like, and they usually end up using like ten or twelve different you know lines, and. Like we pretty much we did maybe a retake on one or two of them, but it was really just like I would give them like you know a couple of options and then we would just move on. And they were like, "Man, like you were really like nailing these." And like you don't realize that people have been asking me to do this voice at least once a week for the past year. You know, what I mean, and it's like it's just really just my voice. It's just you know me being like I'm almost out of webs. Got to make this shot count bullseye it's, they're like man you got this I'm like I, I've had fake phone calls with like friends children at this point yeah I mean I can I can do that voice all day long I really I got it dialed in so
0: so you've done the voices for the toys coming up mhm
2: mhm
0: alright so are there any interesting you know plot developments that, that come through in the ten lines of dialogue that will show up in the toys that you can tell us about can you give us the
2: scoop uh, there is definitely some crime fighting Okay. <laughs> uh there is a little bit of arrogance, I think, on Spider Man's uh-huh. behalf, but he learns, I think, humility <laughs> in the long run. <laughs> <life.
0: laughs> so And he'll be like Take that Rhino and yeah, stuff yeah. like that.
2: Exactly, yeah. So
0: Rhino played by Paul Giamatti. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting, right? Yeah. Yeah. I've been seeing some photos of him not in the Rhino suit. I assume he'll be in the rhino suit.
2: Uh yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty Stands sure. to reason. Yeah.
0: But I've seen him like as just like the Russian gangster or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then I believe Jamie Fox as Electro. Yeah. That's right. They're going odd directions with this. They are. With this that series
2: wouldn't, was, wouldn't have been, I think, like the next anticipated Spider-Man villains. But you know, hey, Green I, Goblin. I guess they're gonna they're gonna wait on. You know, and
0: yeah, you know, it's interesting. This is a side conversation. <laughs> I don't, but that's all right. I don't know what you guys are talking about now. Spider-Man.
1: Well, the I Amazing figured, Spider-Man. Oh, part. the Amazing. Well, now yeah, I'm yeah. lost.
0: Not the mediocre <laughs> Spider Man, although I guess that is kind.
1: I of... I really like the mediocre Spider Man. Um, but
0: yeah, it's it's you know uh, like you make a Sherlock Holmes movie, and it's like all right, we're not going to jump to Moriarty by the way, uh, you know right away, yeah. But obviously that's where we're headed. Batman, that's how you're going to be with Joker. Spider Man, I mean everyone assumes like oh well, it's Green Goblin. Yeah, I've never I was never much of a Spider Man guy, but I watched the animated series, I read a comic or two. Yeah, and it's just like. Yeah, I guess so. Green Goblin, you know, whatever. Yeah. Spider-Man, aside from, like, Venom, who came about eventually, like, 20, 25 years into the run, mm-hmm. like, I don't know. Spider-Man never had his Joker. He never had his, it's, it's, his Moriarty. Yeah. And so, to me, when people... Don't get me wrong. Electro and Rhino are certainly not uh, who I would have assumed <laughs> they were going to go with. But at the same time, you know, people are just like, oh, why couldn't they go with Green Goblin? It's like, because no one cares because <laughs> like ulti- I mean you know he's got the connection with Harry Osborn yeah. but really it doesn't matter in the, in the long run but that's James that's, Franco
2: was working too so they couldn't get him so. ex- absolutely yeah that, he's, he's the one person they'd bring over yeah exactly um, but yeah <laughs> and by the way obviously I'll say this
0: they're going to bring in anybody Craven oh they're yeah they're bringing Craven the Hunter of course Craven's Last Hunt is like one of the best comic books ever and that that is a movie in and of itself but you know what we're going to move on I've made my point I don't even remember why you're here now (laughs) because I'm so angry
1: about this Craven thing. Hopefully studio execs are listening.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And so, yeah, if you want to taking copious notes, I'm
1: sure they are. They always do jotting down everything. I do try to work
0: in the occasional movie idea, but then it's on the air. So if they, if they use it, they have to pay me. So, okay. So Spider-Man toys Mm -hmm. in stores now in stores. now. I do enjoy hearing Joshua's voice.
2: I do. You know, it's funny. They're like, to be honest. I was
0: asking the listener, but that's oh, fine. Go right, right. ahead. <laughs> I was being rhetorical. I was yeah, saying, do you enjoy this? Go to your local toy store and buy the, exactly, buy the Spider-Man. Buy but you if know, you enjoy hearing your voice, that's fine too.
2: I, well, like it's one of those, th- it's like one of those few things. Cause it's like, at this point, like I've spent like hours and hours and hours, like in years doing like voiceover stuff. But this is like the one thing that I can go to where it's like, I like, you know, I have one at my place. I mean, like, I, I mean, I, you know, I've got one. And it's just like whenever you're kind of having a bad day, like you could kind of push a button and be like, you know, like, you got to make this count. And you're like, yeah, I do. I really. Yeah. Thanks, Spidey. I'm going to do it. You know, <laughs> like
0: it's very strange. It is. It's odd. But you know what? I get it. I, I absolutely that. understand.
1: So now you can actually legitimately have a conversation with yourself.
0: It's, it's true. It's true. You may need to tailor your responses <laughs> so, or like your questions like just
1: right. Yeah. But, Otherwise, uh, you might just get really frustrated. He's never really answering your questions. You're you never li- really answering your questions. Are you even
0: listening to me, Spider Man? Ugh, you're you're not really that amazing today. If anything, you're kind of
1: <laughs> kind of removed. And then he tells you he's almost out of webs. And you're <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. Ah, come on do you ever get do you ever get anything like you sit down with the forty lines of dialogue tree? Do you ever get any ever get one that you're like, why would Spider Man say this? There's something a snake ridiculous. in my boots and <laughs> stuff like that. When you were talking about the spoilers or whatever, I was like, what if you What if you got that list and it was all, you know, typical uh, comic book stuff, and then one of them was like, I'm gay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean,
2: what? 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 I,
1: what? Is Spider-Man gay now? Release
2: the Kraken? What? Just,
0: there's like, look, better to have it and not need it than <laughs> yeah, not have it. Having we don't
1: know, know what happens you know, in this next movie. We want to be ready for anything.
2: Covering our bases here.
0: I mean, they made Electro Black. Who knows what they're going to do? It's crazy. Um <laughs> Okay, so, uh, so we'll, we'll move ahead. Um, so one of the reasons that I, that I wanted to have you on, um, mm-hmm. although we, we discussed in the past uh, the possibility of you coming on, um, but the, the impetus for this is that you are currently working on a project, mm-hmm. um, which is to say you're working on it creatively, but also you've got a Kickstarter going uh, to, to you know, raise money and, and fund it. So uh, tell us a little bit about what you're, what you're working on right now.
2: I'm working on a uh, a comedy series for JCTV. Uh, So it's like a Christian entertainment network. And they picked up a show that's called The Josh Moore Show. And it's uh, one part, like, Tosh.0, funny commentary on YouTube videos, pop culture. And another part, uh, like, the Louis uh, Louis C.K. show, where Mm -hmm. it's the uh, kind of story-based reality uh, storyline that is funny, but at the same time, I don't know, it has some dramatic terms and actually allows you to uh, identify more of the characters so we're gonna uh, be kind of going through different segments where we're gonna be doing you know three minutes of, of that and then back into studio time and uh, so but anyway the uh, the network JCTV picked it up for 13 episodes so we'll we'll start filming uh, next month for that
0: okay yeah. that's
2: great and so but the specifics like from a financial standpoint
0: mm-hmm. and uh, I don't want to get you know to Inside uh, on the off chance that maybe you don't want everyone to know everything. But, you know, um, you do still have to fund this yourself or at least part of
2: it. Yeah, yeah. That's one of the things because JCTV is a a uh, viewer-backed network. So they, because they don't want to seem like they're having um, and being a faith-based network, they, they don't really have much commercial time if they open up. So the show's going to be seen in like 25 million homes nationwide and three times that all over the world, but they don't sell commercial airtime at all. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, you have to just raise all the funds privately. So the mm-hmm. the studio uh, equipment and time they've already provided, but as far as all the reality-based segments and you know uh, comedic shorts that we're going to be putting in there, that all, I- I've got to find the, the money for myself. So I'm okay. doing a, a Kickstarter campaign now for that. Okay. And so, um, okay, so where can people find
0: uh, more information about that?
2: Uh, if you just go to kickstarter.com and uh, uh, type in The Josh Moore Show, and okay. it'll, it'll come right up. And it's got, you know, kind of a fun video put together for it and uh, shows the actual Spider-Man action figure <laughs> and uh, uh, me in a, a very special Spider-Man outfit. <laughs> <laughs> All
0: right. Yeah. Which is I think I might have missed that one. Hey.
2: But um, and,
0: uh, and we will link to uh, link to it in the uh, show notes for this episode as well. Um and so, in watching the uh, in watching the the video for your Kickstarter mm-hmm. uh, I noticed that one of the things that you returned to as you were describing the project was this idea of you know this is a comedic show mm-hmm. first and foremost and as as we've already talked about a lot like that's something you're passionate about um, but it is also a Christian show
2: mm-hmm.
0: and so you do you do comment very briefly on that occasional intersection of christian and comedy and that uh it tends to not go well <laughs> um that's you know that's that's my phrasing so um so what what was it that made you want to specify that because it, it it you seem to be anticipating people's concerns
2: you know i i think the uh a lot of times People in the church have been really hesitant as far as to um, try to explore comedy that is also uh, Christian-oriented. And so, like, I remember growing up listening to, like, a lot of, like, Mike Warren Key and things like other, like, Christian comedians where, like, whenever I was, like, you know, six and eight, like, I thought it was hysterical. But it's, like, you know, as as a grown-up, there's not a ton of, you know, stuff out there. There's definitely, you know, a handful of guys that, that, that do a good job of, you know, tying things in. And, um, and there's, you know, guys that work full-time, you know, going to various, you know, organizations and churches and camps and stuff. Mm-hmm. But... um I, don't, I feel like there's definitely a need out there because God created, you know, comedy and God, you know, created the world as, I think, to be a, a very funny place um, just by the nature of how people are. So I, I think that we can explore that under God's grace and, I mean, we'll probably, you know, up here and there, but I mean, I, I don't know, I think it's going to be a kind of a fun playground to, to explore.
1: Okay. It's it's an interesting concept because one of the things that we've talked about before on this show is how just because uh, a work of art is either christian inspired or made by christians or around some kind of christian theme doesn't mean that it has to be lousy which oftentimes it is um and there's no reason that it should be that way. And there's there's a lot of different reasons. Sometimes it's because if you have the backing of a Christian group, then it's easier to get out there if, if you have the message, regardless of whether the, uh, the quality of the content. But I feel like... Uh, comedy specifically can be a lot harder because a lot of the stuff that appeals to people in comedy, like if you just watch, you know, three Comedy Central shows, you have a lot of sex jokes, you have a lot of, uh, uh, you have a lot of anti-Christian jokes. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things that seem antithetical to Christianity. So mm-hmm. gonna, mm-hmm. I don't know if antithetical is the right word, but opposed to anyway. Mm-hmm. So that's where I think this puts a lot of Christian comedians in a difficult place. So Mm -hmm. where do you find comedy without having to go to those sort of things that, um, maybe your general comedians do?
2: You know, I think the thing that people most respond to in comedy is being able to relate to it and being able to, you know, just see themselves in uh, whatever the, the, you know, line of humor is. And I feel like, People in the past have strayed away from from that as as Christians because they don't want to say anything or do anything to step on anybody's toes. And I think that uh, I mean, I think like you know, like poop is very funny. I think you know, I mean, like it's just and like God made it, but like it's funny. Like it just it just is. We're not going to really you know dwell on that much in the show, but it's <laughs> like there's certain things where it's like as soon as you go to like you know what what's like bathroom humor, you know, like. This people just automatically will like write that off. Where, you know, the, there's definitely certain things I think you can broach the topic of. You know, there's a, a conversation I recently had with uh, a coworker of mine that um, he was telling me that he was going to church recently, and I was like, "Oh, that's great, man, it's good." And I was asking him questions about that, and you know, he made this kind of this offhand comment. And he's like, "Yeah," he's like, "You know, it's really great for my my 13 year old daughter because you know, what I mean, like, I can't get her to listen to me, but I can get her to be really scared of God. So, I mean, like, I can get her to do what I want." And I'm like, "Oh, that's." Oh, that's awful! That's that's <laughs> terrible, man. Uh, you know what I'm trying to like explain to him, and but you know he kind of came back at me, and he's like, "Listen, man," he's like, "I dropped out of high school whenever I was 13 because I got a girl pregnant." He's like, "That's I'm trying to keep my kids from doing that." So he's like, "I appreciate wh- that what you're trying to approach me with, but m- my concern is getting my kids to graduate." And so it's interesting where there's these two opposing ideologies, and you know. You can argue you know, uh, either either point, but I think that you can broach that in a, a comedic setting in a way that actually you know brings up some interesting questions. I think that's one of the things that uh, the comedian uh, Louis C.K. does on his show uh, mm-hmm. that is, is really interesting. Where I mean that you're you're left being able to actually think about something as you're laughing about it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Before we uh, move on, I want to say thank you for saying broach. Mm. And not Breach. Mm-hmm. That bothers me to almost no end. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, it's it's comedy is something that I find fascinating. And I know that I myself have gotten in trouble
1: mm-hmm. in
0: the Christian community, uh, not necessarily as a function of this show, but just socially. I'll be out and about <laughs> with my friends. Uh, I won't tell this whole story. Because it's way too long, and I'll get mad. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but Josh was there. I know what story you're going to you tell. You know what story I'm telling. <laughs> anyway, so my friends and I were uh, hanging out, and it was at a friend's birthday party, and everything was, oh, it was so much fun. Um, towards the end of the night, a lot of people, uh, you know, were gone, and so it was just, you know, my friends and I, and then a, and a handful of, pe- uh, of other people that were not in my central core group of friends. Mm-hmm. That I should have taken note of. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so my friends and I start making jokes that really are not particularly racy. Mm-hmm. Uh I like we really toned it down. Like, I, I think we did note that, like, okay, well, we can't say everything that we say mm-hmm. uh because of the the you know present company. And uh but apparently what, what we did say, which was again very tame, easily PG PG thirteen at worst. <laughs> yeah. Um <clears throat> And so, uh, but those people actually later on uh, told uh, one of our friends that they were very offended and that they couldn't possibly, they could not believe that like Christians would talk this way, and that sort of thing, and uh, that ruined my day, if not my week. Mm-hmm. Uh, not because I felt bad, yeah, but because I was furious. Yeah, and and that's the thing. <laughs> I, I also tried to look at it, you know, from their point of view and be like, you know, if you're not used to this kind of thing, and you know, it's I had parents that I thought were pretty great, yeah, and you know, my parents my parents showed me a fish called Wanda. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. Which they shouldn't have. I mean, (laughs) it's ridiculous. Yeah. But, um, and so like, so I have kind of a love hate relationship with, uh, joking in the Christian world because I do feel like the kind of jokes that I find funny, which tend to be darker. Mm -hmm. Um, Christian just have no, they have no patience for that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, like everything needs to be always positive, always uplifting, mm-hmm. you know, to, uh, now I'm starting to quote my mom, but like it's, and, and if you're not having that, then really what's the point? All you're going to do, it's like, you're just making a mockery of things that are important, you know, and something that I have said, and I'm sorry to, to that I've, I've been talking way too long. I knew I shouldn't have told that story. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I was talking with with a friend of ours who was there that evening, and we were talking later. And he's like, and he said, he goes, you know, you do joke about a number of things that most people wouldn't. Mm, mm -hmm. And he's like, why? He goes, why do you do that? I was like, because if I don't, it will overwhelm me. Yeah. You know, like I will make jokes. I mean, on this show, I talk very seriously about my father's death. But, it, but socially, I will sometimes make jokes about it. Mm-hmm. More specifically, I won't make jokes about him being dead. I will usually make jokes in which I go into a character of the guy who will use his father's death to make <laughs> other people feel bad. <laughs> and I think that's hilarious. But some people don't recognize that that's the joke I'm making. And uh, and so, like... And it's just, to me, like, humor can and comedy can keep people from... It can keep... It doesn't make things less serious, but it makes them less overwhelming and and that sort of thing so yeah. I've been talking for a while um what do you guys have to say about any <laughs> of this? I apologize
1: well, I wasn't listening, but
0: uh <laughs> well you just... were you got locked in the memory of that fateful
1: evening i did yeah no i was I was going to say uh that' some some of some films that I really enjoy kind of tackle that idea of is is comedy worth something Mm -hmm. and uh because i think it's a i think it's a i think it's something that a lot of comedians or or comic artists maybe if you will struggle with Mm -hmm. um and so two particular ones that i that i remember are sullivan's travels and Mm -hmm. stardust memories which are two Mm -hmm. films where uh somebody who makes comedies is having to wrestle with the fact that like it goes back to what we mentioned earlier like is this important is this legitimate like and they both come to the conclusion that well, yes, it is. Like, this means something to people. And um, so I don't know. Yeah.
0: And so, so this brings us back to, you know, what you are trying to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you have, you said that you want to specifically, okay, the way you describe the Josh Moore show, mm-hmm. for the purposes of our of more than one lesson, the Joshua Moore show, because <laughs> I don't want people getting mixed up. Um, you have said that this is basically a version of, Tosh 2.0 mm-hmm. and Louis mm-hmm. Daniel Tosh is known in the last couple of years for making a rather tasteless rape joke on stage mm-hmm. um, in direct uh, like, and he made it at a woman that was heckling him. Yeah, and uh, that was now I've I've seen the joke, and by the way, it's actually not that funny. It's just it's purely aggressive, yeah. and that and that gets into a whole other thing. But I am of the opinion that like. I'm fine with jokes being offensive, provided they are more interested in being jokes than being offensive. Yeah. If you start wanting to offend people, then the joke will probably be lower priority. That'll be back. It's true. But anyway, um, but either way, that's who he is. Mm -hmm. He, you know, he kind of puts this clean cut image on really, you know, horrendous material, not horrendous by virtue of it not being funny. I think his written material is pretty funny, but, um, But, you know, kind of devastating at times. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, Louis C.K., who can be very sardonic and very dark. So, you are doing, you know, your goal is to do a Christian show Mm -hmm. that in many ways is modeled after these two, you know, these two guys who know, who, frankly, very few Christians, pardon me, I I enjoy their work, as Mm -hmm. you do, as I'm sure uh, Josh does. Um, But, by and large, most Christian audiences are not aware of those guys at all. Like how are you sure. going to take their type of comedy and make it something that is you know positive and Christian and that sort of thing like how do you plan on doing that? I apologize. I don't mean to like mm-hmm. put you on the spot, no, no, but no, no, it no. is it's certainly a question that begs a question yeah yeah
2: you know i I think being able to break down why some certain, you know, jokes work and what certain style, why certain styles work and what doesn't, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I think is is really important. I think coming at it as far as being able to broach topics that uh, I did a little like handgun thing you couldn't see, um, but uh, I think we all know what that noise. I think, means. I think we all know what that noise means. Uh, Shooter McGavin, you know, so. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Adam Sandler reference. There's, there's one of those
0: middle of the road comedies you were talking exactly, about. Exactly. <laughs> exactly.
2: You know, I think that um do my my hope in that is to be able to point out I think things that people in the church wouldn't normally acknowledge as as being funny um, or would, you know, question whether or not is potentially okay, but at the same time I feel like I've been very isolated uh, at certain times because I've struggled with okay, well how do you How do you date as somebody that, you know, isn't only exposed to people in the church and isn't in full-time ministry? How do you go about, you know, having friendships with people that that don't believe the same things that I believe, but I can't just invalidate what they believe? And it puts you in circumstances, you know, I I was on a, a hike one time with a girl that you know i had had met her and we really hit it off and i talked about going to a non-denominational christian church and she was like oh my gosh i'm so into that you know and then we're on this hike on our first date and you know and she's like yeah i'm totally in the non-denominational thing like i do tarot cards i've got a crystal ball i've got you know i'm going to read your palm later and i was like wow we've totally gotten off on the <laughs> wrong foot here um i feel like we may be speaking a different language um so there's just like situations that kind of... I don't mean, like, how do you work your way out of that? I mean, like, there's there's times where it's like, you know, somebody's like you know, like you down to party. I'm like, oh yeah, I love to party, man. Let's, let's go, you know, karaoke. You know, and they're like, you know, it's like somebody like, you know, pulls out a bag of pot. I'm like, oh, oh, I'm so sorry. You meant something else, you know, like my bad. Uh, you know, there's situations that are, are funny that Christians find themselves in that nobody really acknowledges in. And then if you don't, you know, say as like somebody that's especially someone that's like in their, in their twenties and still trying to figure out what their walk is supposed to look like as, as a, a believer, you know, you would a lot of times feel like you're the only one that's struggling with certain things. And it's like I want to bring light to that, but in a humorous way. And I also want to be able to say that, you know, a lot of things are are funny in in pop culture. A lot of YouTube videos are really funny that you can comment on and not have to, you know, drop F-bombs left and right and, Mm -hmm. you know, make it just all, you know, uh, bathroom humor, you know
0: now I've okay so the two examples that you brought up and by the way mm-hmm. I don't mean to play devil's advocate because yeah. uh, I am very much on your side no, on please. this but uh, I am aware of uh, you know the being a, a movie guy online and mm-hmm. I've I've engaged with uh, Christians not so much the listeners of this show but I have sought out elsewhere um, you know Christian views on you know movies and, and television and that sort of thing and so um, you know since you are you know, courting a Christian audience for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, now I don't know the, the two examples you just gave. I don't know if you are planning on incorporating those mm-hmm. types of things. But like off the top of my head, here's what I would say: like if you were to if you were to incorporate those situations, you know, the girl who is into you know tarot cards and palm mm-hmm. readings and that kind of thing, and then the guy who asks if you're down to party and then pulls out a bag of pot.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Now in the first one. If there, if you had a scene like that in your show, mm-hmm. and it is played for laughs, there are Christians out there that could say they are be, they are making light of the occult, yeah, and they shouldn't do that. Sure. Second situation, you're acknowledging pot exists. <laughs> you know, I, I hate to put it that way, yeah. but like, I mean, so much, you know, so often, I mean, we, you know, Josh and I have had to review, you know, bigger Christian movies, you know, you're courageous, you're fireproof, and mm-hmm. to a lesser extent blue-like jazz, which has a slightly different attitude. But, like, you know, and you watch those, and those are not comedies, um, but, like, and the the thing that I bring up all the time uh, is in Fireproof when Kirk Cameron's character, it is it, it's, it's implied that he's looking at porn. Mm-hmm. His wife says... You know, it's like I come in here finding you looking at trash on the internet. They don't even say the word porn. Yeah. Now, good for them for for at least acknowledging that this is a thing that can happen. Yeah. But they're not even willing to use the word. Yeah. And so, like, are you like, are you concerned that like your audience is so not used to? I mean, the three of us, and Mm -hmm. I think probably some people our age. I think we we know that there is a. Uh, you know, a dearth of, like, a certain type of Christian comedy, but the people that might watch your show, they they might be in- intensely offended, and they might, you mm-hmm. know, letters to the editor. Not, yeah. not the editor, literally, <laughs> but, like, <laughs> you know, letters to the network. Like, are you... Are you concerned about that?
2: I mean, I'm aware that it's probably gonna happen. I mean, I don't think you can really uh, you know, take on a topic that is, you know, such large as like, you know, Christianity and then add that into a, a comedy standpoint and say that you want to talk about things that, that you feel are are, you know, present day issues without stepping on somebody's toes. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's kinda of like, like talking politics where it's like you know, I've I've been in a number of rooms where it's like, you know, there's one person that assumes everybody else shares the same belief. And it's like, no matter what that is, someone in there is going to be diametrically opposed to you. So it's, it you know, I think it's the same with, um, you know, your, your your spiritual beliefs. I mean, I look at, you know, uh, illustrations where it's like, you know, the, uh, the the Pharisee were trying to, you know, trap Jesus and, you know, asked if you should pay taxes. You know, and it's like, there's tons of jokes out there about taxes and, you know, like Jesus asks for the coin. It's like, yeah, whose face is on it? Caesar's. I, I mean, like, if I was standing there, I I would have laughed like that would I feel like that would have been like dude like you no know, you're my priest and he just got you like he just nailed you like that's funny you know I mean it's like you know he talks about um, you know the there's the parable of the man that was uh, uh, I forget his, the, the, his name but is is wealthy and received you know all of his rewards you know on earth while there was the man that was the beggar outside that receives his uh, you know rewards in heaven I think it's, the uh, the rich man is not given a name
1: but the, no, poor, oh, man but the poor man is, man
2: Lazarus. is named Lazarus it's Lazarus right yes yeah. uh, but it's like the, Jesus even makes a reference there of where how rich the, the rich man was where he says that even his undergarments were made of silk you know what I mean it's like whenever you're saying like you know yeah, uh, I mean he wore silk boxers this guy was loaded you know what I mean like it's funny you know what I mean it's like but a lot of times you know like the church kind of shies away from that because they don't want to risk offending anybody and it's like there's like any large organization, there's going to be a lot of really opinionated people. And there's going to be a handful of crazies. Mm-hmm. And I don't feel like the church is an exception to that. You know, I mean, I'm sure there's people that feel like I'm grouped into one of those, but you know, I mean, I, I, I want to do things that I think are funny and that I relate to, because I feel like other people will too.
1: Mm-hmm. And so, talking about, uh, uh, whether or not the network is going to be okay with things or people are going to have problems with the network. um, how at this point, at least, how much control do you have over that? It sounds like you're writing the show yourself. Mm-hmm. Is that correct?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. We're we're bringing on you know uh, a staff to be able to kind of uh, I mean help out with everything. So I mean we're doing uh, 13 episodes that are half hour, so it's going to be mm-hmm. a, a substantial amount. But as far as the uh, all the you know storyline arcs and you know pretty much majority of the writing, I'm gonna, I'm going to be doing myself. They're giving me a, a fair amount of freedom right now. Uh, I, I think just to be able to kind of. I have tested the waters, and it seems like they're they're pretty responsive to it. And the ideas I've been throwing out, you know, I mean, uh, people have been open open to. I think, um, I think they also know that their their viewership is is slided to a much uh, older group. For, uh, they're also associated with, with TBN. So that's, that's usually uh, associated with a much older age group. So uh, with JCTV, I mean, they have a huge, uh, you know, exposure as far as how many homes that they're, you know, their viewership are in, but um, they're going for a younger audience. And mm-hmm. I think uh, hoping with material like this to be able to secure a more consistent and relevant audience. Um, and I did have uh, another
0: question. So, uh, yeah. So, like, Christian music, I feel like I, I, I don't listen to a lot of it myself, mm-hmm. um, but my friends that do mm-hmm. say that really only in the last few years has it gotten kind of good on its own. Yeah. Um, before that, more than anything, it was just Christian artists trying to sound like secular artists but put in Jesus. Yeah. Um, and I certainly know that, uh, you know, in the, in the film world... Uh, Christian films were trying desperately to emulate uh, Hollywood blockbusters. Of course, mm-hmm. they didn't have the budget to do so, um, but that's clearly what they were trying to do. They were trying to make their Armageddon, their Independence mm-hmm. Day, uh, and so you wind up with the Omega Code. You wind up with you know Left Behind or, or any mm-hmm. number of those, um, any kind of end time pseudo sci fi dramas. Um, and those always just and it always fascinated when people said like you know, online and be like, Oh, finally, like a movie I could take my non-Christian friends to. And it's like, Oh, those, mm." (laughs) they're not going to enjoy themselves and they might not be your friends afterwards Yeah, because if, because they will question the friendship, they'll be like, if this person misjudged me so much that they literally think I would enjoy this, (laughs) then I don't think I know who this person is. Um, Because I think people are able to detect Mm -hmm. when somebody is trying to emulate something that they like, but trying to put their own little spin on it, mm-hmm. and I'm not suggesting that's what you want to do because you know you have a very like you know you've been doing this for years, uh, and you have a passion for comedy first, mm-hmm. as opposed to like comedy. That's a good ministry tool. You know, it, it yeah. didn't start with that, and that yeah. makes a that makes all the difference in the world. But um, you know, how are you going to? And maybe you can't. But like, how are you going to? curb that idea of people saying uh, of that idea it's like uh, like the like the history teacher who says like you know kids Shakespeare was kind of the world's first rapper you know like that (laughs) that kind of that that terrible thing you know where it's just like it's like hey we're just trying to make like we're trying to make Christianity cool look at what we're trying to emulate like
1: cool dad syndrome cool dad syndrome thank you you. this guy see
0: I'm glad you didn't leave anyway um (laughs) the uh like, how are you going to curb that?
2: You know, I think um, I think it's something that the you and I have talked about before, but that you know how Christian media so often tries to imitate culture uh, as opposed to create culture, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and I think that the it's kind of like what you what we were talking about earlier, where it's like you know whenever you're doing you know scene work or whenever you are are doing anything that's kind of performance based, you you know whenever you are being true to that moment and you feel like it's organic and you feel Mm -hmm. like, you know, that I think that that is overall what you're trying to create where, um, whenever I think whenever you have an agenda, when you approach something with a, an agenda, people can sense it really quickly. So if you approach, you know, uh, you know, with a film and there's awesome, you know, films that, you know, uh, have great messages of evangelism and that's totally scripturally based. Um, a lot of times that that can come off really heavy handed, or people feel manipulated. You know, mm-hmm. they feel like that, that you know they're trying to force them into a, a certain conclusion or, or viewpoint. But I feel like you know the um, larger artistic community, you know, that that offers up the idea that it's not you know an artist's job to answer questions, but to ask them. You know, I feel like that there is somewhere a happy medium where you're able to, um, if you really feel like that, you know that the Bible is, is truth and you really feel like, you know, that Jesus is God, that you can, you know, frame a question that you've asked yourself that, you know, you honestly feel like that's the answer to, but you're not, you know, force feeding somebody in a way to say like, well, this is what, you know, you know, this is who you are, and this is what the Bible says you are, and this is what you need to do, because this is, if you don't, this is what's going to happen, this is what's going to happen. Though those things are true, people can really easily feel manipulated by them. But mm-hmm. I feel like if you are showing an accurate depiction of what, you know, you know, somebody that's struggling with a Christian, you know, walk and, and enjoying it and falling short at times, whatnot, what that looks like, I think that, that that's going to be appealing in and of itself because it's, it's relatable, you know? And I think anybody mm-hmm. that's just trying to um, to live you know what they would consider a good life would be able to relate to that and I think that if you can frame that from a Christian perspective I think it makes it more relatable uh, yeah. and and more you know uh, palatable to people that wouldn't normally you know look at it
0: so it's really no I mean it really is no different than you know uh, Christians who aren't really interested in the arts at all but mm-hmm. something we all run across is the idea of Wanting to put so so nice a face on everything that it looks as though they don't have any that everything is fine mm-hmm. and they wind up just looking totally out of touch yeah um and that people and they become unapproachable and nobody wants to no no non-Christian would ever want to engage with that person yeah but you know it's one of the things that I've tried to do on this show is be as open a book as I can be Mm -hmm. about my own struggles and that sort of thing. And, uh, and people seem to respond to that. Of course I still, (laughs) there are some cards I keep close to the, close to the chest there, but, um, close to the chest, close to the vest.
2: I'm pretty sure it's vest, but okay.
0: Didn't want to broach that. Did you? Hey, Hey, watch (laughs) out. Um, but, uh, you know, and so it's, it's that idea of like, if you are, you know, if you're being true to yourself, uh, as a as a christian but also mm-hmm. as an artist you know i mean i think a lot of this because it's a comedy what it's going to come down to is you being like all right i find this funny
2: yeah mm.
0: and i think that makes all the difference you know yeah. you can, christian or not you can always tell when somebody is doing something
2: that they don't find funny it's <laughs> so true and that's something i've run into a lot with uh, a stand up comedy mm-hmm. where it's it's a really delicate balance where you are staying true to you know your your spiritual convictions but at the same time you can talk about anything it has to be funny so it's mm-hmm. you can talk about like going to church as long as it's funny, you know, yeah. and it's like people don't usually like to laugh about anything that is God related, but it's like you can talk about like, well, okay, well, how do you ask out a girl if you're not planning to sleep with her? You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. what is that? That's like, it's, you know, it's weird or, you know, what I mean, like you're attracted to a girl in Starbucks because she was Christianese, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> there are things that are like, you know, just kind of like weird and unique that somebody, I think, even if they are completely ignorant to that lifestyle, then they're like, I mean, it's, it's still funny because it's just it's weird and i think real you know mm-hmm.
0: well i think that actually might be a good place to start wrapping up uh, i will ask you as i mm-hmm. it's been a while since i've asked this of uh, of, of my guests but uh i'll, I'll ask you this because you've been you've been here a while you've been in hollywood a while um do you have any uh, any advice for any uh, christian artists that either live here or maybe desire to live here um and work in the film and television industry do you have any advice for for those people
2: definitely you know i um recently heard an uh, interview that um uh, someone that's, that has been really uh, efficient as a um a, a female director and you know has, has been successful and that she was being interviewed and someone asked a question is like how can you uh you know uh grow to uh, be respected as, as you are as a, as a woman director and she's like because i don't see myself as a woman director i see myself as a director mm-hmm. i do good work so i think that Doing what you feel you'd be interested in, and what you feel like is quality work, not what you feel like people are going to receive. You know, um, I heard James Cameron in an interview one time say that you know he's like, I just tell stories that I want to hear. He's like, I don't you know think what's going to be the biggest blockbuster. You know, I just think I would like to see a movie about that. I want to make a movie about that. So I feel like if you are uh, dealing with subject matter that interests you as as a Christian, I feel like it's going to interest other people. Mm-hmm. And if, uh, you know, God's put something on your heart, you know, for a reason to do, I think you should, you know, take a whack at it and, and not worry about, you know, potential failure. And there's definitely going to be people that try to make you feel bad from, from both sides of the tracks, either from the church or from believers And, you know, uh, nobody's perfect. You know, I mean, there's definitely been times where I feel like, I may have overstepped a boundary and, and uh, compromised my witness to somebody. And there's been times where I've missed an opportunity to witness for somebody because I was too concerned about, you know, putting off the right image or not, you know, uh, making myself too vulnerable or something along those lines. So, I mean, that's that's why there's grace. You know, I think, you know, you, you, you do be, do the best you can. But if you are fully pursuing God and trying to be surrendered to that and really, seeking, uh, what that is supposed to look like and kind of, being open to, uh, not so much to what your preconceived idea of what your, you know, career is going to look like, or, you know, your vision of whatever your project is going to look like. But I feel like those doors often open up. I fell into doing voiceover work. I never actually really pursued it. Um, at the same time, you know, I had pursued, uh, doing commercial and camera work, uh, for a few years and just, it's not somewhere that you know, the doors door is open for me right now, which is great. I mean, it's fine. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, you know, I've got commercials that are going for, for voiceover, but, um, you know, if I had put all my hopes in that, then, you know, I would have been disheartened and I wouldn't have been able to appreciate the success I've had in other areas. Mm-hmm. All right.
0: Yeah. And that, uh, that actually is a f- fairly common answer. Uh, mm-hmm. whenever we have people on, like when we had like Doug Jones on, mm. um, basically saying like, yeah, ju- just, just, Focus on doing good work that you like, yeah. and and everything else, and doing it to the best of your ability, and you know, and everything will work itself out for the most part. Yeah. Some people will be angry, but people are always going to be angry. Yeah, exactly, doesn't matter what you do. So, um, okay, well, Joshua, thanks very much for being here. Thanks I for will, me. I will repeat once again that uh, uh, anybody looking to help uh, get the Josh Moore Show funded, uh, you can go to morethanonelesson.com com, and you will find a link to his Kickstarter page in the show notes. Uh, but then you can also just go to Kickstarter and type in the Josh Moore show.
2: That's right. And And to do those quality projects, we do need the finances to do it. So (laughs) you you can chip in, you know, five or 500, whatever you can afford.
0: Yeah, this could, yeah, this, I mean, you, you could, you could render this whole episode moot (laughs) by not giving any money. So I'm saying like, if you, if you, if you people are looking forward to, to the Josh Moore show, Put your money where where your mouth you gotta is. you got to help exactly. make it happen. Exactly. got to make it happen. So, All right. Well, thank you very much for being here, Joshua. Oh, thank you, guys. Um, and then I will uh, say that, uh, once again, there is uh, a lot of material over at uh, morethanonelesson.com. Uh, Travis Fishburne, actually, has... Uh, Written a couple of uh, interesting blogs, one about Star Trek Into Darkness, and then also about Star Trek The Motion Picture. He chose to go back and uh, and write about that, and it's very interesting. So uh, you can find that. You can find me on Twitter, uh, twitter.com slash Lessons. You can find Josh on Twitter. At the Josh Long. At the Josh Long. Joshua, are you on Twitter? I am. What is uh, it?
2: At uh, Joshua Moore number seven.
0: Joshua Moore. Seven. And then the number seven, the Ooh. numeral seven. That's correct. Okay, fair enough. Um, and yeah, and you can join our Facebook group as well. So uh, thank you all very much for listening. Josh, thanks for being here as always.
1: You're welcome.
0: And we'll get you next time. Bye.